Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Maroon and Gold, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Becker, And me, Aaron Williams. Aaron, I'm getting on a plane to Seattle uh, in less than 24 hours now. Checked in and everything. Nice, it's nice. be pretty neat. At least I'll hope. Have you ever been to that part of the world, Cascadia, anywhere over there? No, no. no. I guess the closest that thing that I went to was um, closest place I went to would have been Montana, if that really counts. I don't think it does. But yeah, no, I've been to California when I was a really little kid. It's like Disneyland or something like that. No, maybe it was the I think I went to the one in Florida, but who knows? Um, I was somewhere in California as a kid. And as an adult, I've been to Montana twice, but no, no Seattle, no Portland, no, no PNW for, for Aaron. Well, I'm looking forward to it. My body seems to think I'm going in the opposite direction longitudinally because this morning I woke up too early. And as a result of waking up too early, I was eating lunch way too early because everything was time shifted. And I don't know. So. Hopefully my, my sleep schedule isn't too screwed up, but that's not really important. This is just small talk. I do want to get into football things today because the question we're going to ask about the Gophers today is going to be pretty easy to get to, pretty straightforward. We're not going to um, talk only about that. I do want to highlight first. Um, I've started posting some position by position previews on my blog. The receivers and tight ends post went up on Monday, and I believe Thursday you will see a preview of the Gopher running backs group. And then sometime next week, if things go as planned, then you will be able to read my thoughts on the quarterback and offensive line situations. And hopefully everything will come together so that right before the opening game on September 1st, you get to read an overarching preview of the whole season. Because I don't know if you know this, football season is approaching at a blistering pace. It is. It is. Winter is coming, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's, we're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We got, got T-minus three weeks. Hall of Fame game was last week. I guess we were, for, for all you devout listeners, I know we uh, – we're making small talk about that last week, but yeah, preseason NFL starts coming up here. College football, it's a couple of weeks away. It's a good place to be. Well, I, in the spirit of this, I've been getting in a very football mood and I have been watching clips from football games of the past, specifically college. I actually watched a big uh, highlight video of a high school game I want to mention here momentarily. <laughs> but I uh, I guess I'm just wondering, around this time of year, is there any like go-to college football video on YouTube that Aaron likes, or is there anything that you just you recently thought, that game, I want to go back and watch that again? Yeah, yeah. Reggie Bush versus Fresno State. I'm sorry. It's just too cool. It's just, it's just, it's just too cool. It's, 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 it's an easy answer. Uh, and it's addicting. I know we've, t- we do, we talk a lot about, you know, the classic, you know, the Boise state versus Oklahoma or the Gophers versus, you know, Penn state, um, you know, or whatever the big important games that mean a lot to us for different reasons. But man, I was watching the highlights from that game the other day and man, that that's really cool. 
Reggie, Reggie was just Reggie was just on beast mode, just running running by around through everybody on that good, pretty good Fresno State team. And uh, I just that well, there's the one that everybody watches, but there's a few other runs there that I, I think are really 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 great too. So it's it's iconic, you know, mostly again for the one or two highlights. But I don't know that really got me. Got me thinking, I'd say. The other one, ironically, also Fresno State that I was thinking about recently was actually that Gophers-Fresno State game from a few years ago. It's, I think, probably underrated, but it was a super important game in the context of that year uh, and just in that it kept us undefeated when we probably shouldn't have won uh, like a few other games that year. Um but just a lot of plays, you know, the Winfield interception, um, you know, chief among them. Uh, just, I don't know. I was just thinking, man, that was a great game. And I don't think I watched all of it. I didn't watch all of it at the time. Um, but I think that would be a really fun one to go back and watch. So Fresno State, I'm sorry. You know, I, I love, I have love for the Bulldogs, but they're they're on the losing end of two very entertaining games in, Ar- in Aaron's psyche. Let's not forget Chris Ottman Bell's big catch on yeah. fourth and long. They decide, Stuart, let's go to the end zone. And he's, his foot is down by like an inch, something like that, in the back of the end zone. Absurd catch just to get us to overtime. That was a very stressful watch at 1 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Um. One game that I didn't have any memory of watching when it happened, probably because I just didn't watch it, but I was looking for Allen Robinson college tape the other day. Where did he go again? Penn State. Yeah, I watched that out. Well, he's he was very good at Penn State, and Penn one Michigan. game where he displayed that was 2013 against Michigan. Okay. And uh, I highly recommend watching not only his catch in that game, but – the many twists and turns that game takes. Um, you can find a 15 to 20 minute highlight video probably pretty easily. I forget how long the one I watched was, but you know, you talk about college tickers, you get the full spectrum of college tickers stuff in this game, hitting difficult kicks, missing easy ones, missing inopportune ones. A lot is going on and it's a, a really, really good game to watch. I only have one profound Allen Robinson thought, and that is how crazy is it that Allen Robinson went for 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns with Blake Bortles as his quarterback in 2015? <laughs> I've, anytime I think of him, that's the only that's the only stat that like that guy that guy did that guy did was what many many considered to be impossible, and nobody has done since. Where is he? Where is he these days? Because like he's gotten. Some really, really difficult quarterback situations. Uh, yeah, according to ESPN, he's on the Rams now. So I don't know what his situation is, if he's with the injuries last year. He wasn't nearly as productive last year as he was the prior few. But figure the Rams give him a better shot than the Bears do at this point. I'd say so. Um, it's over here. Yeah, although if, if he is... So he'll be 29 this season, and to me, at his peak, he was a top, top receiver in the league. And maybe it's just because he was doing this to the Vikings that I think so highly of him. But to have the best years of his prime be wasted on Mitch Trubisky 
you know, is, yeah. is a real sad football thing. That is indeed, indeed. And every other year, Mitch Trubisky, like bookmarked by, or how would you say that? I don't know. Mitch Trubisky surrounded by Blake Bortles and whatever, Justin Fields, Nick Foles, whatever else, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, doesn't, didn't, didn't let up. I believe the word is bookended. Bookended, yes. Bookended, yes. One game that I you can actually find fully on YouTube and that I really wanted to watch last week but just didn't have the time to do so was from the 2008 Texas Tech season that I am so fond of. But it was actually, I believe, their last game before playing Texas. Um, let me just double check that real quick. Actually, no, it was just their last really like big one, I guess, because the next week they went to A&M and won comfortably. The week after that, they went to Lawrence and won very comfortably. But the game I'm talking about is hosting Nebraska for homecoming. And it went to overtime. Michael Crabtree demonstrated how to run the Tuttle screen. I remember watching that game and, and feeling the tension, feeling the drama, and uh, I, I hope that it, it properly conveys to the viewer there just what type of game it was and how serious it was. And I believe Nadamik and Sue would have been on that Nebraska defense, so you get to watch Nadamik and Sue. Yeah, those were good. Those were good. Those were some of the last pretty good Nebraska, like really good Nebraska teams. Yeah, this would have been Polini era, I believe, right? Yep, yep, just about. But the other game I want to mention here, the high school game, I said, I was looking for a video of Zach Evans, the incoming gopher. And he went to Rockwall Heath High School, which is different from Rockwall High School. And it's not, I, I did not know Rockwall Heath High School existed until about a year ago. Um, but there's a town called Heath next to Rockwall in Texas. Rockwall is in DFW. The only other athlete I can think of who went to Rockwell High School was Chris Warren, the former Texas running back, but others down there. They're a good program. Oh, uh, Jacob Clark, he went to Rockwell. So anyway, they're, the game between Rockwell and Rockwell Heath um, is apparently called the I-30 Classic, something like that. Um, and last year, they played a definite classic they combined for 150 points. Wow. Wow. Uh, and there were some absolutely absurd turns. We we got Hail Marys. We've got lots of deep touchdowns. We, we've got trick plays. We've got a crazy crowd because I don't know what their stadium situation is. Um, if they share one stadium usually, or if they, I don't know, what, what, whatever it is. You got the Heath fans all on, on one side in one stand, and then the Rockwall fans on the other side. So, like, you know, anytime something big happens, you're getting a pop from one end of the stadium. Um, it's it's some pretty legit stuff. Uh, Zach Evans does some good things. He is a very good running back which we'll talk about at some point in the future. But 
you know, there, there's some, some good football on display. So there, there are multiple videos out there. The one I watched was about 12 minutes long. Um, it was video from behind the end zones and it was fairly good quality. Didn't miss a whole lot. So recommend you uh, seek that out if you want some football stuff. Very cool. Very cool. Is there any other game you want to throw in here before we move on? Oh, not really. Those are the ones that had kind of come to mind recently. Um, you know, not just you know, throw one. I could I could throw out the one I always talk about, the seven overtime game, the LSU and and um, but we've talked about that one enough over the years. Every year, every year there's a couple though. I'll say that. You know, every year you watch a few games that are just like, this is stupid. <laughs> you know? Or it just it just it just it's just something, something, something is in the air. Whether it be the chaotic nature of the plays, the stands, the, the implications of the game, there's always just some really, really good down-to-the-wire games, and that's you know that's part of what we love about it. I do, I do have actually one more that I watched a good chunk of yesterday, and it's in a highlight video, and it's not a big upset or anything. I mean, it's involving 2011 Alabama. Okay. So like, you know. Um, I mean, I guess so. It doesn't go quite how you expect, because this is SoCon Saturday. It's November 19th. You know, they got the Iron Bowl the next week. They lost LSU a couple weeks prior, 6-9 in overtime. Of course, they would beat LSU in the national title game. But this game is, is a game that Nick Saban went on a big rant about a few years later in a press conference. And that is... Their 45 to 21 win over Georgia Southern. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. 21 uh, points is the most that Alabama allowed all year that year, and they did it against an FCS team. That was um, a good FCS team, though. I mean, that's, that's legit. Phenomenal FCS team. They yeah. were, they, they ended up second in the country in the coaches' poll, third in the sports network poll, lost in the semifinal to North Dakota State. Going into that Bama game, they were third in the FCS polls. Southern was a legit FCS program. They won multiple national titles at that level. And the way they did it is by being awesome at the triple option. Yes, yes. And if you want to see some exquisite option play, pull up the the video for this game from 11 years ago. The defense was not going to hold, but their offense did as much as you could possibly expect a team of their talent level to do against arguably the best defense this century in college football. Which Alabama team was that? Can you give me some 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 refreshers on the names who was kind of the the, the big the big dogs? Mark Barron is one of them. Yep, he was a big dog. Dante Hightower. Yeah, he was good. Uh, Josh Chapman, Courtney Upshaw, Dre Kirkpatrick. Yep. <laughs> so, One of those defenses where like you have like oh like fifteen guys that go to the like you look around five years later and you're like oh everybody and their backups went to the NFL. Yeah, and obviously there are some guys on the offense that also went to the NFL. Trent Richardson, for example. <laughs> But the, the defense was the real story there. And, uh, I mean, Mark Barron and Dante Hightower are still around, and I'm pretty sure that Kirkpatrick is as well. Yeah, yeah, Mark Barron is. And he was, man, he was, he was a beast. 
just remember he was a he was because he was like I guess in the league he played a lot of linebacker, but didn't he was like a safety. He was like a monster back or something for them, kind of wasn't he? If not, if not, if not schematically, like spiritually, wasn't he? Yeah, he's officially listed as the free safety on Wikipedia as the the, the starting free safety for Alabama this that that year, uh, and obviously he was pretty much just a running head linebacker um, in his time in the NFL. So highly recommend watching again, maybe the best defense in, in the 21st century, just get torn to shreds um, or, you know, you can substitute Nick Saban's descriptor in there by a great option team. Yeah. Very cool. But anyway, it's time for this week's preseason Dofer's question. Last week, we asked what position or position group most needs to improve for this to be a successful season. This week, we're going to ask philosophically what improvements need to occur. Yes, and this is, this is in my opinion, this is the, 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 the top line answer is pretty straightforward. It probably gets more interesting after that, but I guess I started last week. You want to start this week? I have a feeling I could go off, so I'll actually just let you go first. Yeah, they need, they need, they need, they need, you need, you need to be more aggressive on the offensive end. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 I think that's that that's really what it's about. I know it's easy to get caught up in the glamour and the glitz of throwing the ball and and everything, but you really need to throw the ball and everything because uh, you know you 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 were you were. You were complacent, you weren't aggressive, you were conservative, and it was, you know, um, it was the defining weakness in your season and what, what was a pretty good season. I mean, your defining weakness was philosophically you weren't you weren't aggressive enough. You didn't you didn't you didn't you didn't move the ball enough because you weren't aggressive enough. <laughs> um, so at least on the offensive end, that is my answer. We've said it probably every week. We've talked about the Gophers for the last year, year and a half, two years, but it really is it really is still true. And, you know, bringing Shiraka back, I mean, he wasn't Sean McVay or something, but, you know, you'd expect it to be uh, an, an, an improvement. And you, know, you, you want to see some flair. You want some creativity. You want some aggressiveness. You want to throw the ball. You want to put yourself in situations to succeed. You don't want to put yourself in situations to fail, as we've talked about a lot, right? You don't want to. You, you can't keep just running, running behind your massive offensive line and getting getting three yards. I mean, it's 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 good at times, but you know you need you need to invert invert that 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 balance, even though you have talented backs. That's my that's my, that's my opinion. Do you know what Minnesota's run rate was last year? Oh God! Uh, no, I don't. I can only imagine. Sixty-five percent. Nice, nice. Using, I, I don't remember his full name. He, he just on on Twitter. He's at Stats War Parker. He's a TCU guy, but he's also a big advanced stats person. Um, he has a chart out there of. Uh, Run rate over expected. So in other words, based on the situation you're in, down and distance, how likely are you to run? And uh, Minnesota is first yeah. in the country in that. Um, if not, period, then outside of the service academies. Yeah. Um, that to me is a problem. Yeah. 
when you run that much, when you pack the line with your, your heavy personnel, when you ignore the box counts in front of you, you put a cap on your running game. Mm -hmm. I, you have the bodies, or at least you did last year. You had the bodies, you had the talent to make sure you weren't losing yardage. And you're always going to gain a handful of yards, but it wasn't always the number of yards that you needed to stay on schedule. And only that, it prevented your ability to generate explosive plays, which are important for an offense, you may have heard. Um, even though you had some very solid running backs, Kai Thomas, Marquis Serving, Trey Potts for a little while, those are all running backs who can create explosive plays. Yeah. And well, they could face a 10-man box. Yes, when, when you've got too many guys around the line of scrimmage in the first few yards away from the line of scrimmage on defense, then they may get pushed off the line, but they're swarming to the ball and they're preventing you from getting to the secondary. So you're shooting yourselves in, in the foot at some point. And I'm not saying you can't be a run first team. I would prefer you're not. I also grew up watching Texas Tech football, so I know how I'm wired, you know. But... You've got to dial things back a bit to try to open things up. You've got to manipulate the box count a bit more. They actually figured this out at points during this season where against Miami in the first half, whenever they would bring out a sixth or a seventh offensive lineman, Miami would cram the box and they weren't running very well. So what they did in the second half is they just stopped bringing out the jumbo sets. And from that point forward, they ran the ball actually really well. It's not that hard to do. And I'm not saying you have to abandon those sets. I think that's important. But if you, you know, I think it's a valuable thing in this offense is the ability to say we've got more meat than you and we're going to just keep adding more to it to our line and you're not going to be able to stop us. But if you're going to do that, you have to balance that with a passing game to keep them honest. And um, once again, you can't do it all the time. So that's the main thing. You're, you're not only you, – you're, you're making it harder on the thing that you want to do well by doing it so much and doing it a certain way. So that is step one here. Of course, the alternative is if you are going to run this much, if you are going to run more than any team that isn't a service academy or an option-based team – then what you need to do is you need to treat all four downs as downs where you can convert. And the Dophers don't act that way, yeah. at least not consistently enough. P.J. Fleck can be very risk-averse to the point of outright losing you games, such as the Iowa game this last year, which would have won you the Big Ten West. And that has to change. You, if, if, you are, if you're going to say, we, we've got this great big offensive line that can – win in short yardage situations that can make sure no matter what we're always going to get one yard and if you're going to say we're we're running an offense where there's a big chance we're going to have a, a fourth and short situation then on fourth and short run the ball you know yep. don't punt it or you know you can throw it whatever just like don't 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 punt don't kick a long field goal that you don't need to try so those are my two big things but there are also many other issues that need fixing yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, on the other side of the ball, 
It's hard because I'm, I'm thinking about it less in terms of philosophy on defense than I do just personnel and just, again, continuity and, you know, what, how do people fill the roles? Like, I don't, and I guess those, you, you can combine philosophy with personnel and who you're playing on the field, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not as, I'm not, I'm just not worried about that side of the ball in a philosophical way, in, 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 in an approach sort of way as I am with the offense, in part just because they were better, I think. That makes sense. Yeah, I I can't really um, think of many things. I The things that I noticed, and I, I was always more attuned to offensive scheme stuff than I, I ever have been defensive stuff. Uh, but I can say, you know, deciding to go to a 4-3 against Iowa and Wisconsin, I'm not going to tell you that's wrong. That's I, that's what I would do, too. I'm um, not going to play a whole lot of 4-2-5 against those teams. Bringing in Logan Richter, you know, your heaviest defensive lineman to play nose in those situations. Maybe even there was a time a couple of years ago against Wisconsin where they had Keontae Shad, one of their defensive tackles, move in at one of the end spots for a few snaps just to get a little heavier, you know, that made sense. In 2020, because they were getting gashed so much, one thing they did was late in the year, you stopped seeing so many stunts. And then last year, the defense was really good. So you saw more stunts, you saw more blitzes. And I don't really have any problem with that. I, I can't come up with a whole lot of things that I think Joe Rossi is doing wrong right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a great, he's a great coordinator. And the, I mean, again, the improvement last year was such that he gave, gave us, gave us, gave us, he gave us faith that he will, you know, even if he doesn't get it, get it right, right away, he'll, he'll have confidence that he will, he will, he will adjust and make, make the necessary uh, tune, two tunings on the defensive end. Now I am interested to see how they deal with the rotation of the defensive line this year because they do have a lot more depth or a lot more options, depending on how you look at it, you know, whether it's actual depth or not, maybe something we have to find out. But PJ Fleck has talked a whole lot about the number of bodies they're going to have between um, Trill Carter and Richter and Devin Eastern, Gage Keys, Tyler Baugh. They've just got a, a whole lot of defensive tackles, and then you get to the outsides where it looks like Jalen Loden and Redding might be your starting five technique, but John Joyner is out there as well. You've got Lorenzo Sergers on the other side. Thomas Rush should be good enough, but you've also got Danny Strigo and, um, and Austin Booker, whom they're very high on. So there, there's a lot of potential here, um, and and. Uh, last year uh, at defensive tackle, it was the same three guys, basically, for the majority of the year. It was Niles Peeney, it was Mike Dutra, it was Chilf Carter. And there might be some not only necessity but advantage in rotating through more players in the middle. And maybe if they find out that Devin Eastern, for example, is the level of player that Niles Peeney was last year, then maybe they're not as concerned with rotation. It's all kind of a feeling now situation, but I don't think there's anything I look at with the defense and say the way they're going about it is wrong. Um, and they've shown a pretty good willingness to adapt to what they have at a given moment. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not, not our, not, not our, not our, not our concern. Like I think we're both saying in different ways. 
As far as other things, um, Fleck needs to use his timeouts more effectively. Oh, I forgot about that. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> he was going to do that at probably in the third game of the year. Probably the first game of the year, if we're being honest. Yeah, one timeout left with as the second quarter is getting started or something like that. Yep, yep. It's a classic, classic, classic fuck move. And I don't care as much about first first, first half timeouts, um, but he has wasted some second half timeouts before, and that needs to fix itself. I mean, in either half, especially in competitive games, you've got to – You've got to understand these will buy you an extra possession, and those are important. Possessions are really important in the game of football, and you should try to maximize the number of them that you can. Absolutely. And uh, to that point, if you are the better team, you need to not open with a turtle's pace. Um, You... This was a major reason you couldn't get back into the Illinois game last year. Because in the first half, you were treating it as if you were ahead in the fourth quarter, because that's your default pace. Whereas you need to go a bit faster. You need to maximize the number of plays that exist. Because over time, if you give it a large enough sample, your, t- your talent will win out. Yeah. Um, and there are other things we we can get into, but the the short of it is just um, the offense needs to gun it, and uh, we we need a, a a more careful understanding of how to deploy timeouts and a, a more aggressive approach on fourth down. Is is there any other aspect of philosophy you want to address here? Uh, no, I think you hit on them. I mean, again, just just you just just like you said, kind of keep the keep the or put the, the pedal to the metal, not even keep, just put at some point, you know, preferably the beginning. I mean, you made a good point about about possessions and about just, just giving yourself opportunities to be the better team. And that's, I mean, those games, those bad games that we lost last year, I mean, again, it was just, we just didn't, we just, we just didn't, we, we just, we shot ourselves in the foot by not giving us enough chances to be, to be the better team. And that's, that's the kind of thing that really matters. And, you know, you're going to play a lot of close games this year, most likely just in the Big Ten. And that's that's something you're going to need. You're going to need philosophically to approach those in a different way, I would say, than you have last year, than you did last year. And these things add up, you know. Uh, a really good program manager will get his team in a position to be able to win most weeks. But a good game day coach will steal a couple games a year if they're close, or he can at least. Obviously, funky things happen that are outside of the coach's control. Um, but if you coach a good game, then you you can swing things in, in your favor. And uh, I would say even more directly, if you coach a bad game, then you might lose yourself that week's game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that closes our content for this week. We'll have another big preseason question for you next week and probably some other stuff to talk about. Maybe a review of the city of Seattle and um, whatever Aaron is doing to quarantine himself before yeah. uh, his, his next big entertainment venture. Yes. But other than that, 
Um, is there anything you want to drop in here before we go? Uh, no, no. Three, three weeks and counting. Three weeks and counting. That is the way, I guess, four weeks and counting is <laughs> the way I'm thinking about it right now. We're very close. Very, very close. Everyone have a good weekend. See ya.